Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Serenity Sunday is now hybrid, meeting in person at Roxbury Park in Beverly Hills and on Zoom. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroups webpage at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live in either iteration. Now that we're meeting in person, Serenity Sunday has regular meeting expenses and would appreciate Seventh Tradition donations to help support the meeting and this podcast. You can donate via Venmo at Serenity Sunday. Last four digits of the phone number are 6255 or through PayPal, Serenity Sunday 1212 at gmail.com. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday podcast are those of the individual speaker and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And now, our speaker. My name is Terrell. I'm a compulsive overeater. And if you're in the room, you're going to see my picture. Um, it's been a long time since I've passed my picture around the room, which is kind of amazing. Um, my top weight is somewhere around 300 pounds, well, actually probably about 325. Um, and, and then uh, my, my weight is 160, which is about 35, 40 pounds less than I weigh now. Um, uh, well, maybe 30, yeah, 35 pounds less than I weigh now. <clears throat> and uh, let's see, I have 43 years of abstinence. So I should probably, now read this part again that says means this claim what an order i can't go through with it do not be discouraged no one among us has been able to maintain anything perfect adherence to these principles nope, that's me yep i'm not a saint that's for sure the point is i'm willing to grow along spiritual lines the principle i've that are set down are guides to progress we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. So I claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection because I ain't perfect. And uh, though my ego wants to tell me that I am perfect and my ego wants to tell me that I, I should know better and that I should be better. Um, and so and I might call it my Superman complex, which is what I've discussed. Oh, there you go. So that's that's my high school picture um, with the bow tie. Uh, someone once asked me, when's the last time I changed the oil in my hair? Um, and the bottom, the picture in the corner is me um, uh, at my low weight. Um, and I, I felt just as fat as the other picture um, because it literally was, um, I, I, you know, had the term today is body dysmorphia. Um, I was, it's kind of funny because I, I, I kind of, got this when I went to this meeting once and this woman came up to me afterwards and said that she had heard me that she had heard that I lost a lot of weight and she was going like she wanted to know how I did it how did I lose all this how lose all the weight because she wanted she wanted what I had the the problem was or I know the problem the issue is she was anorexic and she looked like she just got out of Auschwitz and she was concerned about how fat she was and the thought crossed my mind if she like she doesn't think she's thin enough. Will there ever be a point in time in my life where I am thin enough? And the answer came back, no, right? I, I'll never be at that goal, ideal weight, which in my mind, before I came to program was 149, 
because if you're, the, if you're on the doctor scale, back when they slid them, slid those weights across, nowadays it's digital. So you youngins don't understand what I'm talking about, but you would slide this weight across. So I wanted the big weight to be on the 100 and the small weight could be anywhere on the, in, in that other, like could be at 49. So my goal weight was 149. Um, obviously for me to be 149, I'm 5'11", I've got broad shoulders. It's, that's, that's not a healthy weight for me. Um, so I, um, I should probably tell a little bit about my eating career so that you know that I'm a compulsive eater because our literature says that I'm to tell you what it, that to convince you that I'm a compulsive reader. So then you'll know what I say, that you know what I'm talking about, that I'm not proselytizing. I'm not preaching. I'm not merely just going like, oh, well, let me tell you what this is about. Right. Or let me tell you how to fix you. I get to tell you how I fixed my how I found relief right from the disease of compulsive overeating. And so um, I was born into an alcoholic family. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I am kind of, kind of I was destined for a 12-step program or insanity or death as coined in our literature, which I believe. Um, and so I, I was, um, got back, I got to 325 pounds or whatever. I know what my top weight is because the scale stopped weighing me. It said 300 on the dial, but did not support over 300. So because I would get on the scale and it would be 165, I get off the scale, I get right back on the scale, be 280, get off the scale, get right back on and be some other number. So it was not supporting over 300 pounds. So I had to be over 300 pounds. My sister said that I was probably at least 325. Um, so I don't know exactly what my top weight is. Um, I'm a hundred pounder. That's, that's all that, I guess. And it doesn't really make a difference whether I'm 335 or 325. My top weight is probably 700, you know? So if I, if I leave the program, because my top weight is always out there waiting for me. Um, and I know that because I'm a compulsive reader. I never know exactly what my top weight truly is. Um, so I, I was, I was, I was miserable, right? I mean, I'm, we all know what it's like to be an overweight kid in school. I was picked on. Now we be called, say I was bullied. Um, I know what it was like not to be able to fit, fit in the desk. I mean, I literally had to hope to God I could find the desk big enough because that was where the, the desk came around when you sat in the chair. Um, I had to keep my legs closed because I, we were corduroys were in fashion in the 60s and 70s. And so my legs would rub together because my thighs, I don't have to explain this to you. And so there'd be bare spots on my, in the crotch of my corduroy. So I had to do that. And I had three outfits that I bought at the big man store, which was a orange, a rust and a green, and maybe a blue one, maybe something like that. And so I literally just was, I, I mean, that's where I come from. I didn't shower. Um, because I didn't want to touch my body and I was kind of too big for the shower. So I didn't want to shower. So I was not anyway. And I was a good kid. I wanted to make sure I'm, I'm the quiet child in an alcoholic family. So I just want to make sure that, that everybody was peace in the family. And my, my, my suicide was a daily thought because it was, if I kill myself, you would be happier. Not, not that I would relieve me of my misery, if I killed myself, I relieve you of your misery that you had to deal with me. And that's how I came into program. What happened was I was, um, I would, I would, I was, my stepfather's berating me one more time about how I was a fat ass kid. All I did was lay around the house and watch TV, 
why don't I get out there and play with kids? Why don't I have friends? And I said, if I could, I would. And somehow I wound up at an OA meeting. My parents were in AA at this time. So I guess they, they, they told me about an OA meeting and I went to it. So I went to my first meeting when I was 17. <clears throat> and I always like to talk about that my first OA meeting, I got one thing I didn't have at 17 years old, which was hope. And I always think it's so sad that a 17-year-old boy was hopeless when I walked in the doors of Overs and Elvis. I, I, I knew that I had this feeling in my head, I had this thought in my head that I'm graduating from high school, uh, I'm gonna go off to college and I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna waste four years of college because I'm fat. And I've just wasted four years of high school because I'm fat. And I'm gonna waste the rest of my life because I'm fat. And that's compulsive reader thinking. That's not normal thinking. Normal thinking doesn't say my body size determines whether my life is wasted or not. But that's what makes me a little different from a, from a heavy set person is my life is ruined because I am overweight. Um, it kept me from everything, right? And that's what I wanted food to do. I wanted to keep me from everything, but it kept me from everything. And I always say when you're binging, you don't get to cherry pick which feelings you want to keep and which feelings you want to let go of. Right. It just takes them all out. It just it puts the wall up and blocks everything. And so occasionally a little joy might sneak in, occasionally a little sorrow might sneak in. But to binge is to, to literally to numb out, to zone out. So I um so I at my first meeting I got hope, but you gave me you folks talked about um, um, God. And it was like I'd prayed to God. I was raised low religious. And I would pray to God and I say, God, when I wake up, please let me be thin and have my parents stop drinking and fighting. My parents kept, my parents kept drinking and fighting and I wake up the same way that I went to bed as. And so I got the gig because God's all powerful that, the, that my weight was my punishment because of the horrible person I am. And so that was my, my, that was my just reward that I didn't deserve any better except be a fat kid with alcoholic parents fighting. So I couldn't turn that, I couldn't do the God thing. And then you talked about four step, which was the deep dark secrets, which I couldn't tell my deep dark secrets because that no one, I mean, that was unlovable. So I couldn't say, I couldn't tell that. So I, I couldn't really work the program, but you offered me a great sheet of paper, which had a food plan on it. And it was suggested that time in the mid early seventies, just like the steps are suggested. So I took the food plan, worked it quite well, got lost about well, I guess about over hundred pounds in uh, about six months. Um, of course, I was a teenage boy working on a shipping loading dock during the summer. So things happen. And it's just friggin' I always like to talk about it. it's, it's the thing that everyone in this room that I've yet to meet really appreciate the fact that if you eat less food, you lose weight. If you eat more food than your body needs, you gain weight. And that's just the way life is. And it, we don't like life. So we don't like reality. So we kind of run from that and hoping and hoping and hoping and fantasizing and praying that I'm going to be the exception to the rule, that I'm going to be like that person that we hear occasionally go like, I'll say that asshole that we hear occasionally go like, I can eat whatever I want and I don't gain any weight. Of course, they don't eat whatever they want, like the way I want to eat whatever I want. What I want is different than what they want. I want enough food to make myself numb and to be to have a sore gut the entire time and then complain about my gut being sore and then doesn't stop me from doing it again. So I... I, uh, I uh, got lost of weight, got resentful because people were treating me differently. And I went, I went out 
because I didn't need you folks anymore. Cause I'm not a, like, you know, I don't want to be in the room of fat people because if I'm in a room of fat people, then I'm a fat person and I don't want to be part of that group. So I didn't, I left, right. I was, I, I got what I wanted. I wanted to gain a little, I lose some weight and gain some friends and then I'm done. And I got started getting that. Um, so I had to go back out and eat because we're very clear in this program that if you don't deal with things that make you seek excess food, you will seek excess food. So I didn't work the program. So I had to go out and eat again to deal with my emotions and feelings. Um, and then I came out of the closet, which was the deep, dark secret. And that's what I was eating over. One of the things I was eating over. And when I got, when I came out of the closet, it was like, oh, okay. So, uh, and I, I like to say this because it was really the truth. It's before I came out, it was like, Terrell, if you lose the weight, you'll get the girls. And I was like, okay. When I came out, they said, if you lose the weight, you'll get the boys. And I thought, well, now we're talking. And that's a reason, right? I mean, that was like, and we all, we've all lost weight to maybe, well, actually, we all lost weight, but a lot of us have lost weight to get a man, right? Well, I lost the weight to get a man. <clears throat> and I just, when I was coming out, it was a very stressful time for me. So I just, I developed what we call a nervous stomach. And I discovered the wonderful world of fasting. And it's your folks' fault because you said it's not the hundredth bite that puts the weight on, it's the first. And I learned if I didn't take the first bite all day long, I was safe from food. And that was very important to me because the, the concept of safe from food does not register with a normal eater because from them, that's an inanimate object they eat for nourishment. From the food was had my number, right? And it it like it, it punched me out. I mean, like I had to. Like prevent, like, because I knew once I started binging, I didn't know when or how it was going to stop. Um, and so I, so I uh, got down to 165 pounds or 160 pounds, which is that boat picture of me or that picture of that, that thin picture. Um, and I maintained my weight at a 160 on the donut diet, which I didn't do anything all day long, except eat nine or 10 donuts on the way home from the discotheque. Um, and I always like to say I never ate a dozen donuts because if you eat a dozen donuts, it makes you a compulsive overeater. So I only ate nine or ten. And I should also be very clear: I didn't eat donuts because donuts have holes in their food, and I don't eat I don't eat food that have holes in it. I didn't eat Swiss cheese because I felt like part of my food was missing, and I'm not I'm in that mindset. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. So I ate bear claws. So I ate the heaviest thing I could get into my system, and so I. Um, so I was maintaining my weight like that. And then I was being fitted for, for contact lenses and I, uh, the, I couldn't get prescription right. It was, it was all over the board. Um, after several attempts of several weeks or maybe months, the doctor asked me a simple question. He said, Terrell, is there a history of hypoglycemia or diabetes in your family? And I said, yes. He said, Terrell, are you eating sugar? And I lied. I said, I'm eating a little because nine or 10 donuts is not a lot of sugar. A three pound box of C's candy is a lot of sugar, right? That's a lot of sugar. When you have to start doing that chemistry work of doing like, I gotta get more protein in me so I can. So I, um, I basically, I, um, he said, if I don't stop eating sugar, be blind within a year. And uh, well, because of, of hypoglycemia diabetes, which is in my family. And, uh, and he, so I then went off, to Europe and put on 30 pounds in six weeks, binging my way through Europe. And I can remember thinking as I was binging my way through Europe, I can still see. And when things start to go gray, that's when I'll stop. And that makes me a compulsible reader because I'm willing to sacrifice my eyesight for chocolate. 
I'm willing to sacrifice my entire life for more food. Normal eaters do not sacrifice their lives, do not sacrifice their eyesight for a, for a substance. So that's, I'm a compulsive overeater. What happened is I came back to uh, Los Angeles and I hit the last house, I missed, I hit the last house in the block when I was 17. So I knew I had to come back to OA. And I came back to OA, got uh, lost the weight again to Europe, got a sponsor. And after three months, I went to my sponsor and said, I'm sick and tired of going to Zoom's full of fat ass people talking about their problems. I'm sick and tired of being told what I can and cannot eat, what I can and cannot eat. I want to live my life. I want to go have fun. Obrisonomics is not going to help me have fun. It's not going to help me have a cheerful life. So I left you. And he said some magic words to me. He said, Terrell, remember, you're leaving us. We're not leaving you. If you ever want to come back, we'll be here. Well, I did too, was thank you for sharing. I then two weeks later, wound up binging on my last binge, which was two pieces of toast. Because uh, I don't eat sugar and I don't eat flour, period. That's been my absence all along. And uh, when I ate those two pieces of toast, I saw the don't stand and I got scared because I was like, I started, I got really scared and I said, oh God, I cannot do it one more time. I cannot do it one more time. And I went to bed and pulled my covers over my head on January 6, 1979. I got up, called my sponsor and been absent ever since. What I can't do one more time, it had nothing to do with weight because I had maintained my weight with the donut diet, right? I maintained my weight at 160 on the donut diet. What I couldn't do one more time was the insanity, the insanity of the binge, the insanity of self-hatred, the insanity of like constantly berating myself because I'm a worthless piece of shit. That's what I couldn't do one more time. And program gave me a glimpse of it and says, this is what we have for you. We offer you, we guarantee you, we promise you that you become joyous, happy, and free. And when I'm binging, I'm not joyous, happy, and free. And so I wanted joy, I wanted happiness, and I wanted freedom. And so that's why I'm still here after this many years. Now, as I started this thing, well, like, I ain't no saint. You know, I, I like, if you looked at me, I, I, I've had jungles at a salad bar, but my absence is very clear cut and black and white for me. I do not eat sugar, or I should say refined sugar, because it's, you know, sugar creeps in some places. But I don't eat ketchup, right? Um, I eat cocktail sauce for shrimp, but I don't eat ketchup. Now you tell me what that's about. I don't know, but it works for me, right? That's what it's about. I drink margaritas, but if they're too sweet, I don't drink them. Now you tell me what that's about. All I know is I found a path. I found a food plan. I found an abstinence that works for me. My absence might kill you, just like your absence might kill me. I also like to extend that to my higher power could kill you, your higher power could kill me if I looked at your higher power and try to follow your higher power. At this point in time, I'm an atheist. I've not always been an atheist, but I'm like, to me, there's the universe is vast and, you know, infinity. And I'm not trying to convince anyone else to be an atheist. You just don't try and convince me that there's some supreme being wearing a robe, right? That's, that's what I come from. And I know that basically I have lived a life in 43 years that's been full of living, right? Full of living. I mean, I've traveled the world. I've gone, I don't know. I mean, I've just, I mean, I mean the thing that I was diagnosed with HIV, uh, I've got HIV and I went through that abstinently. Um, I guess I still have it, so I'm still absent with it. 
Um, uh, let's see, I've had a, I like to go through this litany. I've had, I've had a hip replacement, a knee replacement, a shoulder replacement, and this coming month, I'm going to get another shoulder replacement. So I guess, you know, I, I, so if you're in physical pain and so forth, I get it. Sometimes when you're in physical pain, nachos just seems to help, right? Um, I am moving to Mexico, um, retiring there, which is like uh, an amazing thing if you, uh, that I'm like shocked by that this little kid who walked in the doors of Obers and Amas, who was so scared, so scared, is now moving to a foreign country to, to have a wonderful life in a, a condo with an amazing ocean view. But that's, it wasn't the gift of the program. The gift of the program is it gave me freedom, joy, and happiness, that I'm not living in a constant state of fear. And that's what I, the program is, that's the gift of the program. By not living in a constant state of fear, I've been able to say yes to life and not know, let me get my donuts and let me run from life. By being staying abstinent, I've been able to enjoy life, embrace life, and love life. And along the way, I get to love me. And that, Terrell's a pretty damn good guy. And that's what's amazing, is I actually believe that. That I'm a good friend, I'm a good brother, I'm a good neighbor, like, I'm that guy. And it's amazing. And I'm not the one that says that. People tell me that. And it's like, okay, fine, I'll go with it. And in the beginning, I did. But people told me stuff like that, I'd say, you're lying. Like someone would say me, you're cute. I'd go like, no, don't say that. Like, you know, I would count in the man, this one, big AA or said to me, don't ever do that again. Don't ever call me a liar. If I tell you that you're that you're worthy, then I think you're worthy. I said, okay, fine. Okay. Um. <laughs>